0: Welcome to the Petropolis Podcast. I'm Taz. We are continuing with the Cat University series. In today's episode, Cat Behaviorist Dr. Rachel Geller will be teaching us how to introduce a new cat to our resident cats. There is actually a process to it. And we can definitely make it a seamless transition for the cats and ourselves by following the guidelines that she's presenting in today's show. All this information that's on the show today is also available in Dr. Geller's book, Saving the World One Cat at a Time. And I will have the book information in the show notes. Now, I want to talk to you a bit. I want to involve my listeners in my future episodes. So if you could please... Email me your questions, comments, concerns, feedback, and once a month, I will be choosing one of your emails to use as a subject of a future episode with one of our experts. You can send your email to tellnotales at petropolis.com, and if you haven't already done so, make sure you have subscribed to the Petropolis
1: podcast. Hi there. How are you? I'm really well.
0: How are you doing? Good. Welcome back. Episode three. (laughs) Yes, glad to have you back. Episode three of Cat University. Have you
1: had um, a lot of people reaching out trying to deal with kitty issues? A lot. I mean, I've been very busy, almost to the point that I might even call it being overwhelmed. Um, really? You know, and it goes, yeah, like, so I have all the people who, you know, were suddenly home all the time and working from home and mm-hmm. their cats having to adjust. And then I have the people who were working from home and now they're going back to work and their cats have separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then all the tons of people who decided now would be a good time to adopt a cat you know, because they're home and they're lonely. So I'm doing a lot more um, new cat to home programs, new cat to home and introducing to resident cat programs and so forth. So, and then shelters are getting a lot of returns on the other end. So I'm working a lot with shelters too. So yeah, I've been a little crazy, but I'm not complaining because I feel like I'm helping. So it's okay.
0: That, that was my worry that the shelters were going to be getting a lot of returns. That was my biggest they, concern.
1: They are. They definitely are because on the one end of the people who want to adopt and um, they're still working, right? You know, so like a lot of um, white collar workers can easily work from home. So mm-hmm. those are the people. And if you're single, yep, those are the people who are reaching out to get a cat. But then on the other end are people like the restaurant workers and more blue collar workers who are surrendering because they can't afford to feed. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's. It's tough. Yeah. It's a tough place to be. And also uh, I'm seeing a lot and there's an uptick with, with people purchasing animals too. Um, Not just dogs, but cats as well, because the assumption is that you're going to get a healthier cat if you're purchasing it, which is such a fallacy. So So bad. I always, and, and, you know, first you got to look at your life as a pet owner or as a human. First, you got to look at your life and say, why am I getting these animals? Why am I, why do I want an animal in my life? When in the past, I didn't think I could do it. How is the future going to look? Are we going to be stuck in this pandemic forever? And we're God willing, and hopefully we're not. And I believe, you know, things are changing. Medicine is coming through. Well, things are going to change um, and we'll go back to stabilizing and going and going back to work and leaving the home. So what's the outlook for you and your new pet? And people don't ask themselves those questions. And sometimes I, I wish rescue groups and I know shelters want to get them out as fast as they get them in and they're stuck in a tough place. Um, so can't, Blame the shelters, but the rescue groups can even put something in there questioning
1: the motives or right. fostering only. Just say what I is agree. Foster? Yeah, you know, I agree. I wish there was a little more questioning around somebody who is you know thirty-five or forty-year-old and they live by themselves and suddenly now they want a cat. So right. So right now you're working from home. You're not dating. You're not socializing. So that's great. Are you still going to want this cat when the world goes back to normal? And I don't think people are really asking those questions because I agree with what you're saying. They're happy to be getting the cats out of the shelter because as quickly as you get them out, more are coming in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other problem is that people that are buying are claiming that they're having a hard time adopting animals from rescues because they're not getting responses back fast enough because everyone wants immediate gratification or the um document that they have to complete the pre-adoption document is too much and they don't want to be honest so want to go back to that person that wants to adopt you got to be honest with yourself it's about the well-being of the animal and if if you're a narcissist pig I know you're not listening to this so let's forget <laughs> you <laughs> but if you have friends that are looking to adopt and you love animals I really hope that um either share this episode or talk to them about thinking about the possibility of the, what, what the future is going to look like. And um, is this something that they really are going to commit to for the life that this animal and the cost that's associated with it? So I just don't want to see any more suffering. Yeah. Yeah. So well, this episode is supposed to be about inter- introducing your – your new kitty to
1: your uh, yeah. family of
0: uh,
1: cats at right. home. So or, I, figured or your pets. I, I figured we could talk a little bit about, you know, what you should do when you bring it at home. Mm-hmm. And then if you do have an existing cat, how do you go ahead and, you know, you just don't throw them together and say, okay. Yeah, exactly. Along. I'm not going to yeah. work with cats. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's get it
1: right. Cause it's going to be a lifelong relationship. Okay, so when you first adopt your new little cache, um, I know everybody's very excited to bring this, have the cat be a part of the household, but it's really important that you start by keeping the cat in her own room, a small room, and I call it a sanctuary room. And um, choose a room that isn't too big. And if you do have furniture in there, like a bed bureau, it's a really good idea to put some Luggage under there or some boxes. So if the cat is afraid, she's not going to scoot under the bed and spend her entire time You know hiding under the bed because that's not going to be good for the cat and it's not going to be good for you. Um, But just remember the sanctuary room isn't a prison sentence. This is for her to regain her sense of safety and security. But you can go in there as often as you want. In fact, you should go in there as often as you want and just hang out with the cat. You know, sit on the floor, be there. Let the cat set the pace of the interactions. Let the cat come to you. You don't want to always be reaching out to the cat. Let the cat let you know when she's ready. And, you know, make sure you have everything in the room that your cat will need. So, food water, a scratching post, and the scratching post needs to be at least three feet tall and either rope or sisal wrapped, and um, interactive toys. You really want to make sure you have some puzzle feeders or toys that um, make the cat have to accomplish some task because that's going to make the cat feel happy and good, and anytime the cat is focused on trying to accomplish something, she's taking her mind off of her fear. And when you go in too, you can play with the cat with an interactive toy like a fishing pole type toy. That would be great. Um, and another another thing you can do that's helpful is to spray feel away or a comfort zone or one of those calming pheromone sprays um, on the sides of the door. You know, you could spritz a little bit on the floor and this will kind of comfort your cat as well
0: couple of questions. A lot of people will have that sanctuary be in the bathroom. Not every bathroom has a window. So that's one fresh air. The other thing is, do you leave the lights on all the time? You know, I know it's a dumb question, but it's just, I I wouldn't want to be sitting in the dark all the time, but then I wouldn't want to have light on all the time when I'm trying to sleep. So I'm thinking, what's going to be best for the kitty? And if there's no windows, do I, how do I get them to have some fresh air? And um, how long are they going to be remaining in that space? So can we talk about those crazy little things I just asked about?
1: Yeah, those are really good questions. So as for the light, follow the natural rhythm of your household. So with the light in the morning, when you get up, shut the lights off in the evening when you go to bed. So the best thing is to get your cat used to, you know, your particular household rhythms, and this is a good time to start. So some people are, you know, asleep by nine and they wake up at 5 a.m. Other people, you know, are maybe more night owl, midnight owls and they stay up till one in the morning and maybe sleep till nine, whatever. Mm-hmm. So put the lights on and off um, with your schedule. Um, a bathroom is okay for a sanctuary room in most cases. You know, best case scenario, you know, you have an extra bedroom. There's, not, there's no furniture in it. There's a few windows, right? That's that's like, you know, the best case scenario. But that's not always going to happen. And, and, and that doesn't mean the person, the adopter, you know, can't make it work. So typically in the sanctuary room, most the cat usually isn't in there more than two weeks. And that's an extreme case. I find most times the cat is kind of ready to start doing some exploration sessions after three to five days. And especially if you can really go in there and visit a lot with the cat, start bonding with the cat, playing with the cat, playing with the cat, with the cat will build confidence and the confident cat is going to feel you know, confident enough and brave enough to go out and explore. So. Um, I, I think three to five days, you know, seven days is okay without natural light. Um, especially if once the cat isn't, gets out into the rest of the home, there are plenty of, of windows and window perches and things like that. Um, so I think kind of keep your eye on the fact that, um, make it as, make the sanctuary room as pleasant. And as realistic to your life as possible. And you know, the more, like I said, you can go in there and visit with your cat and work with the cat, the shorter that separation period will be. But again, follow the cat's lead, let the cat set the pace of the interactions. Don't push your cat, don't force your cat. She needs to take her own time and she needs to set the pace of the progress. That's so really important. If you you know, if your cat's hiding and you reach in and try to pull your cat out, that's just going to make the cat distrust you. And that's the last thing you want. So you just be there. Eventually, she will be curious and she's going to come up and sniff your toes, walk a little bit towards you. And when she does that, you know, you can maybe throw her a treat. But keep it light, keep it calm. Don't act like this is really earth shattering, right? If you go crazy because the cat, you, you're sort of reinforcing the fact that hmm, maybe I should be a little cautious about this because it's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. So keep it light and follow the cat's lead.
0: Okay. So that's when you're just bringing one cat home and you don't have any other cats, right?
1: Well, you would do this whether you have zero cats, two cats or three cats. okay So okay. no matter what, we're going to start that new cat off in the sanctuary room. If you do have other cat, be super duper sure that that cat comes with you in the cat carrier, goes directly into the sanctuary room, you close the door first, then you open the door to the carrier.
0: Got it. So let's say I have a kitty in in the sanctuary room who I go visit, I'm playing with, feeding in there, everything's good, kitty's curious a little scared, but open-minded to what's next. This is kitten adult senior. We have to actually get to know who who these animals are. So that's a great period for us to connect and see who they are. Absolutely.
1: Yes, It's a great bonding time for both of you.
0: Okay. So get to know that kitty during that period. It's really important and you already know the other pets in the household if you have other cats. So what do we do next? How do we get them introduced? Do we just open the door and say, hey, welcome to the jungle? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna make it really clear. Never expect two cats to meet each other and resolve their differences work at all. Probably not going to happen. But <laughs> so <Damn it. laughs> I know it'll be so much easier, right? Damn. So we have the resident cat. We brought home the new cat. Once you're So as you said, you know, the new cat's settling in, he's coming to you, eating, drinking fine, getting a little brave. We're thinking, okay, it's time to start the process. So what I recommend starting off with is something I call call a scent swap. And what that is, is we're going to take your new cash, rub, take a sock, rub that sock around her face, her neck, get those glands all over the sock, and take that sock and place it in an area where your resident cat tends to hang out a lot. Don't put it right in her favorite bed. Don't overdo it. But put it in, a, in an area where she tends to be. Like and here. then do the opposite. Here, <laughs> take the smell the house cat. Smell the whether resident you want to or not, right now. So <laughs> I remember, we want the cats to do this at their own pace. So um, then do the opposite. Take, your, take a sock to your resident cat rub her all around her, her face, get those deposits all over the sock, and again, take that sock and place it in your new cat's sanctuary room. So this does, this does a few things. So it allows the cats to investigate the scent at their own pace, right? We're just gonna put it there when they feel like, when they feel comfortable, they can sniff and investigate. Um, and so it gives the cat a little bit of control over the situation. Um, oftentimes, when we let the cats think that this is all their idea, um, it can really be helpful in the process. So we're going to start off with that scent swap, refresh the scent, the scent on the socks a few times a day, and make sure your cats are both acting normally. They're, they're eating, they're using the litter box, they are doing things like over-grooming. And if everything seems like it's okay, then we kind of bump it up a notch and do what I call a soil swap which is exactly what it seems like. We're going to take a little bit of poop, a teeny mm-hmm. bit, again, don't overdo it, from the new cat's box and place it in the resident cat's box, and mm-hmm. the same the other way. And again, do that for a few days. If that's going okay, then we are ready for the next stage in the process. And what that would be is, take your resident cash and place them in another room, any room, except for the new cat sanctuary room. This is only gonna be about 15 minutes. So the, the resident cat can go in a bathroom, can go in your bedroom. It's only gonna be 15 minutes or so. Once the resident cat is safely in another room, we're gonna open the door up to the sanctuary room and let your new cat come out to explore. Now- Can I ask one, one, one of my dumb questions? Yes. Um, if you live in a New York City or
0: Boston apartment, and you have a studio resident cat sanctuary. I'm, I'm sorry, the new cat uh, sanctuary is already in your one bathroom. Can we put him in a carrier? Can we put the re, our resident cat in a big carrier? Yes. Would that work?
1: And like keep him away and cover it so cover it. Cover, cover it. So he doesn't. We, yeah. Exactly. We don't want any. We don't want any encounters yet. Yeah,
0: generally so, there's a
1: closet or something where we can- And a closet yeah. is fine, really, like I said, this is literally going to be 10 or 15 minutes. Okay. So, you know, a small room, your bedroom, if you have a large crate, um, mm-hmm. anything like that is completely fine. Okay. Um, and if you, think your res- if you think your resident cat's gonna be a little uncomfortable, we can keep the sessions to five minutes and do them more frequently. So there's ways we can still make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, so the new cat, she might be a very brave explorer and venture out far from the room. She might be a little shy and only come to the door. It doesn't matter. Leave that door open for the 10 or 15 minutes and the session. Um, she does come out, and when she comes out, she will eventually. As she walks around, not only is she gathering information on her own time frame, but she's depositing her sense your resident cat to take in on his own time frame. Right. So it's just another step where we're doing it in a very structured way, we're letting the cats learn about each other in a very structured incremental process so they're not overwhelmed by all of these new cat smells.
0: Right. Got it. And how how long do we do this for?
1: I usually suggest doing that for 2 to 3 days. And again, I tell people to use their best judgment. You know, if it seems like it's going well and the cats are um, happily accepting the presence of the other cat, it could maybe be two days. If it seems like your new cat isn't jumping out of the room to want to explore, it might go a little slower. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. There's no, you know, right or wrong way to do it. Um, Just like people. Each mm-hmm. cat enters into a new relationship at her own pace, right? So there are some people who can go to a party and um, they won't know a soul there. And by the end of the night, they're friendly with everybody. And then there are some people who might go to a party and they don't know a soul there and they'll spend the entire night with a glass of wine in the corner of a room, oh, right? Just, yeah, just ha- and cats are the same way, right? They each yeah. have the right personality. They are all going to go with, they're going to all go at their own pace. But if this is going okay, mm-hmm. um, and if you don't have any more questions, I can explain what to do next. I have one more
0: question. How about since um, urine is a, uh, you know, cats, when they get agitated, mark with urine, um, do we do a urine exchange with a litter box as well? If we have a clumping litter, is that something
1: that, that you recommend? Just you can. It's yeah. not just poop? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, urine, urine is such a strong... Smell Mm -hmm. that typically when you scoop out the poop, you're going to get some urine anyway. Okay. If you do, if you use the clumping litter and identify with some urine, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Questions I think about, but I'm going to let you keep going. No, I want you to ask them because, you know, if you're asking it, somebody else is probably thinking the same thing. So feel free, please. Thank you. So, all right. So we're letting them out for their separate roaming sessions. Things are going great. We're ready for the next step. This is what I call the food and visual stage. And what we're going to do is start off um, feeding the cats so they can see each other. We're going to open up the sanctuary room door. We're going to find that spot where the bowls are far enough apart. The door isn't open too wide and the cats can eat without charging each other or without fur flying. So when we begin this process, I always tell people to err on the side of being conservative. So have the bowls like six feet apart, only open the door a crack, let them eat for maybe a minute, maybe even less, close the door. The most important thing with this part of the process is that the sessions end on a positive note. So I'd rather a super short session with the door only open an inch and the bull is 10 feet away, it mm-hmm. goes well than to try to push it and have the cats attack each other. So the idea is the human is going to use that door as the control. So if you see the cat starting to look at each other, you see tails starting to swish, you close the door and the session and wait a couple hours before you try it again. And then very great, go ahead, because you have a question. So the, the human should be standing by the door ready to just End it? The human must be standing by the door, holding the door ready to end it. Okay. Especially at the beginning. We don't know how the cats are going to act with each other. So the human will stand at the door, at the ready, and plan on just having the first session be very short. Put down the food, open the door a crack, let them eat a little bit, close the door. That's it, better than trying season. to push it.
0: I'm sorry. I apologize. Can this be done with using treats as well instead of
1: actual meals? Absolutely, you can do. Um, and some people, some people do both. Okay. Because if you want, if you're home and you'd like to do several sessions a day, mm-hmm. you know, you can put down two or three treats for each cache mm-hmm. and then you can cast this way too. Um, and it's very, it's fine to use a super duper yummy enticing treat to get the cats interested in being close to each other. So basically what happens is the cats create positive positive associations with each other. So each cat's gonna say, you know what I've noticed? Whenever that other cat's around, I'm getting food and delicious treats and positive attention. Hey, maybe that other cat's not so bad. So it's just a really great way to start creating those positive associations. And then very gradually, slowly, and incrementally, you can move the bowls closer. Very gradually and slowly and incrementally, you can open the door wider. And very gradually and slowly and incrementally, you can lengthen the duration of these sessions. And eventually, you'll get to the point where the cats can eat pretty close to each other and eat their food without focusing on each other. And then you close the door. And that's really the point you wanna to get to. So that point, getting to that point, because
0: most people wanna know how quickly they can do this. I mean, that is on everybody's mind before they even think about the process. They're like, how fast can I get it, get it all done and get it done with and be, go back to normal? And unfortunately, you know, these are little animals that require us to take care of them and be part of the process so they can have a quality life. So with some cats, like you said, it may take a few days. Others, it may take two weeks. So I just want to put that out there, that you're making a choice as a human being to adopt these animals who, if they were in the wild, they'd really be wild. We have domesticated them. Let's allow them to be the felines they're meant to be and live amongst each other happily with our help. So
1: um, give them whatever time they need, people, please. Yes give them whatever time they need. And just to echo you, because it's so important. Um, you know, I would say on average, I feel like this probably takes four to five days. But again, you know, think about, you know, when you were, when you're dating, for example, you know, how, you don't usually decide in two days that this person is going to be your companion for life. So to put it in perspective, you know, th- these cats are going to form a relationship that will be a relationship that they both have for the rest of their lives together so this is kind of a big deal people that we want to really um ensure that they have really good positive associations and if you if you do go slowly your cats will absolutely tolerate each other and they may even grow to love each other mm-hmm. but if you don't go slowly you know you might have that situation where you have one cat who's always intimidating the other cat or cats who are hissing and growling at each other. And that's not fair to anybody. If you go take it slowly and you go so slowly that the cats never get to that point of the hiss or the growl, you know, because you're controlling the sessions, your cats will be okay. So it's just a matter of taking of it slowly. And basically what the cats are going through is something um, I call desensitization. Mm-hmm. So each cat is learning that the appearance of the other cache um, is not harmful, mm-hmm. it's pretty insignificant, and when it doesn't have any bad consequences, the cats will stop reacting over time. In other words, they'll get used to each other. So, when you, this only works you present things very gradually and very incrementally, so you can't rush this step. And I know, you know, you want to get to that point. Point A to point B, like you're saying, Taz, you know, everybody wants it to happen right away. But, you know, like anything worthwhile in life, it takes time.
0: Well, you know, I just think if if you have a hard time, uh, if if you start planning your wedding on the first date, then you know what, think about, don't get a cat right away, and just think about what life is all about first.
1: Yes, good for Larry, exactly. So, when you get to that point where the cats can sort of, you know, eat a meal, Pretty close to each other, then we can start letting the cats spend time together. But we don't want to go from zero to 60, so we don't want to say, okay, no more sanctuary room, new cat, go on out. We want to, again, work up to this graduate. So at first you can let your new cat out and about with the resident cat for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, one or two sessions a day. Mm -hmm. that's going well, we can bump it up to a half an hour, maybe two sessions a day. If that's going well, 45 minutes, two sessions a day and so forth. Um, But make sure for your new cat, you always keep a safe place that she can call her own. Make sure you keep her own um, scratching post and her own items because that will give her comfort.
0: So that'll give her comfort and confidence. Is that correct? Yes. What do we do With our adult resident cat that's been around for seven, eight years and the attention that he deserves and he's seeking, I'll give you you an example. One of my cats, I adopted a a new special needs animal and my resident cat, the other one, two were fine. The other resident cat, she got into a terrible depression where she didn't want to eat. She didn't want to be touched. She just wanted to sleep. And by day two, and this happened a month after all the intros were made, the proper introductions were made. One month later, it was almost as if she said, oh, I can't take this. And she refused to eat. So, of course, I rush her to the vet, all the tests done, everything. She's normal. She's in a depressive. She's in a depressive state of mind. She's clearly a sensitive girl, and her name is Elizabeth Taylor. Um, So, she didn't,
1: I, I don't know what I did wrong. Well, and you may not have done anything wrong, right? So, again, you know, the cats, it's a, their world is turned upside down, right? From our point of view, we've thought about adopting a cat, we've gone through the process, you know, we've really worked up to it. But from your cat's point of view, suddenly there's this new being in the home, um, who they don't know, who's completely strange to them. And guess what? They're never leaving. So, you know, <laughs> it could be that for you, one of your resident cats, the longer it went on, and the lo- and the longer it went on, realized, oh, this this is permanent. This is what it's going to be. So just like again, just like people, things can hit us at different times. We have different realizations at different times. And so chances are your resident cat, the longer it went on, was kind of like, oh, oh, I get it. This cat is staying forever. Um, and you, you can absolutely do everything perfectly right, by the book and still run into ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So for a resident cat, you know, one thing that can be really helpful, if you know your cat is super sensitive, when you bring home the new cat, it can help to keep like a big shirt, or a smock, or some other type of big covering to put over your clothes when you go in there, and then take off when you come back out. So this will help those really sensitive cats from being too overwhelmed with all of the new cat smells, particularly all over you. So sometimes it helps if we kind of lessen a little bit of that scent, you know, stimulation all over us, because we're territory too when it comes down to it. The other thing is sometimes um, the resident cat might benefit from, if you take a towel and you put it on the floor um, along the sanctuary room door and spray that towel liberally with comfort zone or feel away or some other calming product, that can help too. So that tricks the resident cat into thinking that this is friendly, feel good territory where this new cat is. So that can help as well. And then in general, it's okay to lavish a little love and attention on a cat who's having a difficult time. Use your voice to soothing will understand. And play is always a great thing to build confidence, make a cat feel happy, and release that cats feel good chemicals.
0: Yeah, I think the mistake I made was I didn't, this kitty was not as confident as she, as I thought she puts out the image of being confident and she's an incredible needy little being. And I didn't realize that. She was a year into, or two years into the household and she always had this confident air, you know? And then this new older special needs animal comes in and she's like, oh my God, who is this? Why are you disrupting my life? Yeah. You know, so I think I missed that confidence part because she had, she had such a regal air about her, like nothing bothers me. So, and I realized a lot bothers her. And after that, it's interesting because she started, she showed me whenever she was bothered by something, she would come to me, have a conversation. And you know, I I know I sound like a crazy person, but you have to listen. Um, If she was upset, She would go under the blanket and she
1: started new patterns of expression. And I got it. And and she probably realized, yeah. And she realized that she did need to communicate with you, right? And cats are actually amazing communicators and they will use their minds and body together to communicate with us. And if we tune into that, which you did, they will then realize that you understand we use those same meows or vocalizations or body mannerisms because they now they realize okay when I do x my human gets it so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: your cat realized that what she was doing before wasn't working Mm -hmm. which was probably you know hiding some of her lack of confidence because cats don't like to project that to anyone yeah Um, but then she realized she had she had to communicate with you and so she adapted and she did Mm-hmm. And then the fact that you responded made that communication even stronger. And if you talk to cat owners, you will absolutely find that they, the ones who take the time to listen, they absolutely know what their cats are trying to tell them. What's next? We're are gonna start with that. We're going to start with that slow process of letting them be together. Um, 15 minutes at first, adding a little bit of time each day. And when we get to the point that, you know, we have most of the day that the cats can be together and they're okay, you know, then at that point, I usually tell people before you, you know, leave the house, you know, really make sure the cats are okay before you leave them unsupervised. So sometimes people take that extra step of when they're home, letting the cats both roam, but when they are going to be out for extended period of time you can still put the new cat back in the sanctuary room if you're not 100% sure. Um, if you feel like one cat might be intimidating or bullying the other, the best thing to help with that situation is interactive play with the fishing pole type toy with the cat who's being the bully or intimidator. By letting this cat play and get captures, he can satisfy that need for, you know, dominance and controlling something and, you know, and also release tension. So when they get the cap, really releases a lot of, and it also releases feel good. So feel good. If, Is
0: that
1: what did you say? The, the, feel, the feel good chemicals in their brain. Got it. Thank yes. You. Yeah. So that, that, um, the play will, will, will be twofold in the process. It, it will help the, um, Cat who's being um, the cat who's bullying is doing it because he's still completely not sure of this other cat. So let him get that feeling of of dominance, of confidence, of feeling in control with the toy, and not with the other cat. And let him release his tension with the toy and not with the other cat. So I think sometimes it seems counterintuitive. Someone sees cat A hissing or growling or stalking cat B, and they want to punish the cat. Don't punish the cat. Bring out the interactive fishing pole type toy. Play, 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 play. Tons of captures. Let the cat grab the toy. Wind down the game when you're done with a juicy final capture. Let that cat really get it. Follow it with a treat so he feels like he's accomplished of capture. This is what you want to do for a cat who might be acting out towards the other cat.
0: Got it. Got it. What else is there? Sharing litter boxes. Do you recommend that? I
1: mean, if it's a two cat household, two litter
0: boxes, obviously. I mean, one for one cat. At least.
1: My basic rule of thumb is one more litter box than the amount of cats you have. So if you have two cats, three boxes. The more you can limit competition for resources, the better things are going to be. So each cat should have her own feeding station. Each cat should have her own bowl of water. Each cat should have her own scratching post and so forth. Um, Plenty of vertical space. Mm -hmm. And again, for people who live in small apartments, um, look around at your walls. Chances are there is some shelving that's going unused and you can repurpose that as vertical space. Look at tops of bureaus, throw a pillow up there and you've created a cat tree. Mm -hmm. Back sofas, put a comfy blanket over the back of the sofa, you've you've created a vertical spot for your cat to lie. So doesn't have to be gigantic cat trees all over the place. Best the piece best of- piece of advice I can give is to let the cats set the pace of the interaction.